I'm Nicholas. I'm the resident philosopher today. I'm so excited that you're here. What's your name? My name is Orly. Nice to meet you, Orly. Yeah, nice and to meet yeah, you. so I'm so excited to get talking. And so I don't know if you know the topic for today mm-hmm. is art as cognition. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm going to do the annoying philosophy teacher thing, and I'm going to throw Please it do. to you first, and I'm going to oh. ask you. <laughs> oh no, I thought you were going to give a good. Uh, oh no, I'm going to do the <laughs> other annoying thing <laughs> where I ask you to give me the long speech. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So I say the words art, art as cognition. Uh-huh. What's the first thing that comes to your mind, right? Huh. I mean, word or? Just anything, you know, like a single word. Like if you have a kind of idea of what that might mean. Art as cognition. I mean, to me, it's like, it seems to like having um, a way of understanding the world, Mm. like through your kind of. Like I, I mean, I honestly I read the pamphlet too, and I, I, I do kind of <laughs> like aesthetic, you know, because like, yeah. aesthetic is like getting like uh, just a glimpse at something, and then just trying to frame like mm. your worldview. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. what it is for me, kind of. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that combination between yeah, this immediacy that art has, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, like you know, I would call like the sensuous capacity of art is like its mm-hmm. ability to like ha- grab us with this aesthetic kind of mm-hmm. feeling, right? Yeah, like it, you know, if you're looking at a painting or you hear like a beautiful song like it grabs you immediately Mm -hmm. and then there's this whole other process that happens right the Mm -hmm. cognitive process Mm -hmm. of this kind of like trying to understand the thing that you just saw right Mm -hmm. or that you just heard or whatever whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so yeah so art seems to be combining the two yeah yeah because i think we're like meaning making machines really Mm, you know yeah so I feel like we're, I mean, we're constantly like interpreting the world in our own way. Yeah. We have like these collective like symbols and things that we agree upon. So I think like yeah. art as cognition in that sense is just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's like just, it's like innate really. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So let, yeah, that's, that's a great place to, let's dive into that. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's this, I, this notion that like, you know, I like the use of machine because it is a kind of biological capacity. It's a feature and like that gets to the cognition aspect, right? Like we're talking, when we talk about cognition, we're talking about brain activity. Yeah. We're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, this kind of biological programming that, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, th- that will make some people, you know, kind of disappointed to hear us talk about art and then bio, bio, biology, right? Because right. you want mm-hmm. art to kind of be this beautiful, poetic kind of existential thing. You don't want to think about, you know, mm-hmm. neuron mm-hmm. activity, but like, we are, we're biological beings, right? And so yeah. mm-hmm. our kind of experience of the world is biological. Mm-hmm. And so part of our programming throughout right, history, like this, it has this evolutionary power, is mm-hmm. this ability we have to kind of, this ability and this need mm-hmm. to like, as you say, like understand yeah. our environment, mm-hmm. right? And like before we even get to the art, like that's like interesting in and of itself. Right, right. right. That we, ha- we, we are beings that have this need. Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere about how like the way like our brains are, I guess, special is that the way we have um i mean basically like our linguistic capabilities like allows us to think like abstractly enough Mm. and i feel like you know you mentioned like um biology and how that like for some people may like suck the magic out of it but i feel like if anything that kind of gives like Mm. a basis for all of us to like have a basic sense of communicating like Mm. we may all have like the same kind of you know um basic biology but even so like we're uh, just have our own tweaks and yeah we have, like, our own ways experiences that it allows for us that's to really cool. generate new ideas but still be able to communicate them to each other which yeah is really interesting that's awesome i love yeah. that so so like the philosopher emmanuel kant uh-huh. right he was really important for like getting philosophy of art off the ground and hmm. so it, it, kind of big contribution he said was that our appreciation of you know beauty right mm-hmm. the appreciation of aesthetic beauty it's something where when you feel a kind of experience of beauty, mm-hmm. you believe that it's universally applicable is the words he use. And what that means mm-hmm. is he says, 
So let's say that you're, you know, you, you drink some wine, mm-hmm. right? And you really like the wine. And you give it to your friend, and your friend's like, you know, I don't care. You know, I, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I, I spit it out. This is nasty. I hate red wine, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, you know, we all have our own different kind of biological quirks. We all have our different kind of, like, nuances. And if you don't like this one kind of, like, food or this one drink or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever, that's fine. Khan says, but art is different. Mm-hmm. Or experiences of beauty are different. When If you find, you know, a song beautiful, he argues, mm-hmm. you think that everyone else should find it beautiful, too. You think that it should be something universal? That it should be, or that it is? It should. It, that's a that's a that's a really <laughs> that's a very sophisticated like way because a lot of times like con scholars will kind of brush over that. And that's a really important yeah. distinction. Yeah. And I have my own opinion. I ah, think I think? think should is much better than is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but but so other philosophers like so for example, um, uh, Burke, mm-hmm. um, Edmund Burke. He thinks that it's it's an is. Can he, I ask what one is he? Uh, what what was like his time? Yeah, good question. Yeah. Yes, that's great. <laughs> so these are like Enlightenment philosophers. So they're working in like late 1600s, early 1700s, mm-hmm. like you know, around then. Okay, gotcha. Right. So it, they're they're in this time, and this is actually I'm glad you brought that up. This, this is a great way. It's a very important point. They're at this mm-hmm. time, right, when kind of, particularly in Western Europe, where like we're talking about, um, mm-hmm. there was this intense belief in the power of reason and science Mm -hmm. to kind of become this new force for human um, evolution, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's this notion that we're entering this new age, right? Where humans will no longer be guided by our passions, by Mm -hmm. our kind of prejudices. We'll be guided by the light of science, of reason, right? Yeah, that's when uh, we switched from like the uh, geocentric to the heliocentric model. Yes, exactly. observing nature and, and exactly yeah uh-huh. yeah it's this, no this longer just, god's domain it's, yeah it's, like this, yeah. this new pro this new way mm-hmm. a, pre- a way of relating to the world that's exactly that where it's like mm-hmm. oh like we don't have to just you know go off of whatever like you know dusty myth we've been told for you know hundreds right. of years and about like the way the world question. works yeah, exactly right. uh-huh. it's time uh-huh. to question it yeah mm-hmm. it's time to like put our like powers as you know scientific beings as rational beings to the test mm-hmm. and figure out this world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the interesting thing is that stuff like art gets pulled into that, right? Mm -hmm. And so we start to have this different way of appreciating art where now it's like, okay, you know, like, so Burke's, like, Burke's great treatise, like, where he talks about this kind of stuff is, Mm -hmm. like, his, like, very long kind of attempt to detail all the different, like, features of our different aesthetic experiences. So, like, he Mm. wants to explain what it is to say that we like, you know, a painting or a drawing. Like, he want, he doesn't want to just accept, you know, oh, I like this drawing. He wants to be like, okay, well, what does that entail? Why do you like it? Oh, what is your experience of liking it? You know, like, uh-huh. he starts to treat it like a scientist would. Do you mean, um, is he asking about how the person feels when they when they watch it? Or, or is he trying to figure out, like, what qualities it, it That's like, great. creates yeah. legitimately, like, objective, beautiful so both. art? So, okay. so, so both, right? So uh-huh. one of, like, Burke's most controversial kind of things is that he has a list of the five beautiful features uh-huh. the five pillars of beauty and he oh, wow. thinks okay. yeah and he <laughs> thinks he used his uh his you know scientific capacities to figure out the five things that make an object beautiful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so they're, they're controversial because you know they're kind of it's it's something that now we can be like oh, it's kind of silly you know that to restrict it that mm-hmm. way but so he says mm-hmm. things like small items are inherently more beautiful than large items mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um he thinks that uh Lighter objects are more, uh, you know, beautiful than darker objects. Uh-huh. It's important to know, right, that during this time, during the Enlightenment time, that, like, you know, kind of 
racial colonialism is also really starting. Mm-hmm, for and sure. it's important to kind of consider the way that there's this dovetail here where he like talks about mm-hmm. his kind of I- ideal of beauty he reveals mm-hmm. is like a white woman, mm-hmm. right? And that's like, I'm serious. Like he says, like, you know, the kind of mm-hmm. model of beauty is like this, this beautiful woman. So another feature is, you know, curves. Oh, so does he project this on like, Every everyone. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and so he ends up saying, uh-huh. him and Kant will say things like, you know, the Negro is inherently less beautiful. Right, right. And they're using that as a scientific exactly. sort of. Right, that's dangerous. <laughs> it is dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. One of my favorite philosophers, Denise Ferreira da Silva. She's fantastic, mm. and she so she's um, a kind of black anti-colonial kind of writer mm. and she's re- she wrote this fantastic book called the Towards the Global Idea of Race, mm-hmm. in which she really digs into like the work of people like Kant mm-hmm. and like Hegel and all these kind of thinkers mm-hmm. and tries to really pinpoint like mm-hmm. how what they do is they, they take this very specific historical moment mm-hmm. and cultural location mm-hmm. and generalize it. Right. It's like they didn't have the a sense world. of cultural relativism. No, yeah. not at all. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Like how absurd is it to say like, you know, that like, you know, lighter objects are inherently more beautiful right. when you're coming from like a, a place where like, you know, the kind of like actual physical capacities are very different right, than yeah. like some other location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if yeah. you said, if, if you huh. went to, you know, I don't know, Botswana at the same, t- or what's now Botswana, like at the same time uh-huh. period as Kant and said like, you know, do you find, you know, light objects more beautiful than the dark objects? I'm sure you'd get a different answer. Right, yeah, of course. And so it's yeah. this, and so that, what that shows us, right, is that all the, the scientific um, kind of commitments mm-hmm. of this time are still like kind of subject to these kind of exterior issues, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not necessarily good science, mm-hmm. right? Cause of course it would be, if, if today you decided to do like a, a survey to like try to find out like what people find more beautiful mm-hmm. and you asked like a group of the exact same kind of people, like you, if you, if you went to Upper West Side mm-hmm. and you asked like 10 people on the street there, what they find the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then you published a paper and said, so from this sample, I've, I now know, what everyone finds beautiful, mm-hmm. everyone else would be like, no, 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 that's terrible science. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that was the kind of, they, they didn't have this kind of like way of interrogating their, their procedures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Hmm. Now, can I ask, do you know like what was his procedure and coming up with? So, so <laughs> actually, so I'm, I'm in a course where we just asked funny. that question and the, yeah. the frustrating answer was he didn't really have one. Okay. Yeah. He didn't, he, he just kind of, said what he thought he, he used uh, like you know i guess what we would call like kind of anecdotal uh-huh. kind of evidence he uh-huh. went off of if his personal experiences right uh-huh. and i guess to, to circle things back to art that's, that's a kind of interesting way of like and and you, the way you started us off with this really great point about you know art's connection to meaning making yeah mm-hmm. because art is how we try to make meaning of the world and our experience of art is often an attempt to try to make meaning of the world mm-hmm. But also art is extremely subjective, mm-hmm. right? It, it is often a very personal experience. Yeah, 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 And yeah. it can often be very easy to move from one to the other, mm-hmm. to end up saying, you know, I like, 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 like I said, right? Kant would say that if you think something is beautiful, you must think everyone finds that beautiful. Yeah. But is that necessarily true, right? Like, w- would you say that that's true? Well, it, it reminds me, um, I don't remember the name of this concept, but like, you know, a uh, once you reach like a, a certain age of your like you know age four or something mm-hmm, like that, there's yeah. like a point in your development where like you um you realize that like um everyone else is actually has like their own like unique perception. Yeah. 
like I think it's something like um, if you if you like hide something from like a four year or I don't know you, you cover their eyes and like they think like no one else can see it. Yeah, I, I don't remember what that was called. But no, that, no that, yeah, that's I know it, exactly. That's what, what it makes about. me think of you know. Yeah, that's really, I really yeah. like that connection. <laughs> Sorry, I just interrupt you. Yeah, no, no, oh, no, no, okay. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah uh-huh. no, that's that. I think I really like that connection. Right. Yeah. So this this psych this kind of psychological development kind of capacity. Uh-huh. Right. So um oh god yeah it's killing me because that experiment it, it proves that what's the the thesis right. I remember what is, what is it <laughs> uh it's not like persistence but something like that this notion that like yeah. This the, the object notion permanence? Yes, object ah, permanence. Nice. Go, there, there you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this notion that the world exists beyond you. It yeah. has a kind of stable existence beyond your perception of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And I love that connection because yeah, a lot of times in art it, be- it can become very easy mm-hmm. to start thinking that your perception is the kind of stabilizing force of the world, right? Yeah. Like to be dramatic about it. Like y- your perception gets you access to the way the world quote unquote really is. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's, like, it's something one must not really, I mean, it's good to think about, I think on like a practical level, Yeah. but at the same time, like it's also kind of pointless, you know, it's good to keep yourself in check. Right. Yeah. Like, like absolutely. You're, you know, you don't, you don't ever really see the full picture and you can see that in so many ways. You can see that in like, in the sense that as a, you know, as, as who you are, like you will never understand like the experience of another person. You don't really like know their full lives. But even like in a literal sense, like if you think about like our biology, like yeah. our eyes are not able to like seep, you know, into the ultraviolet. Exactly. Um, right. Like it's like there, we have so many limitations. And, yeah. And, but in, and it can also like drive you insane really to like think about also like how much of like everything we perceive is just really like subjective. Yeah. So in some ways it's like good to hold in check. It's, it keeps you in check, you know, but I feel like it has to be a happy balance because otherwise yeah, you go course. insane one way or the of other. Of course, of course, <laughs> right? So right? It's, I, I like that you bring that up because, right, like, yeah. so in, in the late, like, kind of 20th century, when, like, we had really started to interrogate these notions of, like, kind of universality, of mm-hmm. kind of objectivity, mm-hmm. um, and we get, you know, you may, you're probably familiar, like, with the notion, like, postmodernism, mm-hmm. right? A little. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so you know, basically... So go one or two classes like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, like... <laughs> Right, we get this kind of new kind of intellectual and artistic, big artistic kind of um, yeah. tradition where people are like, kind of, okay, everything's just subjective. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I'm just going to retreat to my kind of, um, my, per, my, my own perception and like, I'll kind of it, it, it embrace, you know, in philosophy, we call it solipsism, right? Mm-hmm. The notion that you're kind of alone in the universe, that mm-hmm. you kind of can't have like, um, access to you know the rest of the world you're kind of trapped in your own experience yeah mm-hmm. and that's like dangerous right that's the as you're saying like that's not a happy balance right that's right too yeah far yeah because and, and so one of the interesting places in philosophy now where people talk about this um and some philosophers i really respect are working on this um is the notion of what we call a kind of aesthetic um uh, like aesthetic conversation mm-hmm. aesthetic discourse how, which is a fancy way of saying how we talk about art to each other hmm. mm-hmm Right, because all this conversation begs the question. Okay, so if there's this tension between like the notion that like our perception of art is subjective, and also this sense that we want to like have a kind of objectivity about it, mm-hmm. the place where that really comes comes to the fore is when we talk to other people about art that we like or don't like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when, like when you argue with someone about a film that you saw, then you know you, you like I just saw a new movie with a friend and we kind of really disagreed over whether the film was good or not. (laughs) I thought it was fantastic. One should never go there. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) And and, and that can get a heated conversation. Like, I've had some... (laughs) But, like, that does... that's That's a really important time for us to, yeah, like, kind of think, 
how do I do this in a balanced way? Right. Mm-hmm. And like, how do I appreciate the, the kind of specific location of my perception? Mm-hmm. With this desire, I don't want to be trapped there. I want to, you know, my friend is telling me what they think. I want to listen. I want, mm-hmm. I, I want them to like kind of show me how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, so a philosopher I really love, Stanley Cavell, has this way of saying it where he says, all kind of aesthetic dispute, all like a discussion about art, mm-hmm. bottoms out in the, the, the statement, can you dig it? Um, and he, yeah, so he's like, he's like a big jazz guy. So like, I think it's very, like, kind of, and he's from the sixties. So like, we'll forgive yeah. him the corny, but like, he really thinks it's like at the end of the day, when we're talking to other people about art and maybe a lot else, mm-hmm. what we're trying to do would be like, can you see what I see? Like, can you feel this feeling that I'm feeling? Mm-hmm. Like, I really want to get us to the point where you can feel it. Right. You know, yeah. and I want you to help me feel what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that feels like the kind of balanced point, right? Where it's like this, you know, I recognize that there's no kind of objective way to experience the art, but I also recognize that I don't just want to be stuck in my own experience. I want you to help me get to yours yeah. and I want to help you get to mine. And you know what? I, I think that, um, like, I think it was, was it Kant? Yeah. Who was trying, okay. I, I understand like the, his, his desire to kind of like get to like an objective route. Like, you know, yeah. um, I, I don't think that's possible, but I definitely think that there, there is some, uh, I don't know, like maybe it's maybe, some intangible like mm. there are there is like a certain aesthetic that I think for the most part that like, people generally have like a sense that like we can agree on certain things yeah and obviously that's like relative to like what culture and you know like your personality exactly, and stuff exactly. like that but I still think I still think I don't know if it's because we're conditioned you know to kind of like have these same symbols that like we yeah, yeah. accept as you know as beautiful and stuff but um, I still think that there are like certain things that definitely. like you just your, your brain is just like ah definitely that's nice you know, like you pick up, you perk up on it. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that gets us back to the thing we were saying earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the way we started this off, which is this no, like, you know, we can't, we are biological creatures. Yeah. We are programmed creatures. And mm-hmm. thus there's, there's something we do in fact share. Yeah. We do all share these kind of basic biological programmings mm-hmm. and we can pretend, you know, especially, you know, modern society really likes to emphasize that we're all individuals you know we all have our own kind of you know it's a neoliberal agenda exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah i wasn't gonna say it but yeah you're right we're going there but like we're going there <laughs> buckle up but like that's not quite true like of course like you said we you know we have our quirks we have our own particular histories that plays a big part of it right like our own history of experiences that affect us mm-hmm. but at the end of the day at our core we are a the same kind of creatures. Mm-hmm. And that means that at the, at the at the end of the day, there must be some things that we do share. Mm-hmm. Right. And psychological research kind of backs that up, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of psychological, lot of psychological research, so like one of my professors, Jesse Prince, he works on this. Um, mm-hmm. He works on the notion of like cultural dis- differences mm-hmm. in experience of different art. Mm-hmm. So like specifically film is what he works on. So mm-hmm. he, he like will analyze like, you know, for example, a Bollywood film, right? Mm-hmm. So film made in India or a Japanese film. Yeah. And he'll like uh-huh. examine they're very specific, right? So like Japan and America have very kind of different, like historically, yeah. have very different kind of norms for how emotions are processed and displayed. Oh my god. Right? You know, I was gonna say I love watching like a lot of like Japanese television. Yeah. And and I find it interesting, like the points at where people laugh are very different. Very different. And, and the collective reaction versus the way, like, maybe, like, in the U.S. it might be different. I remember, like, I, I, I've been watching this for maybe too many years, but uh, I, my, my dad was, like, kind of, like, on looking at one point, and then he was, like... Okay, yeah. He was, like, 
Oh, they laughed there? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. And and, and, yeah. and that does like kind of push us to say, well, like, we are biological. We we all can laugh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We all have this instinct of when we find something funny, we laugh. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the, the variance is what we find funny. Right, the way we right? map the world exactly. collectively. Yeah. We all map mm-hmm. the world, yeah. but we may map it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great, so I just got the time, the signal that we're out of time. Oh, so cool. that's a great place to yeah. end it. This was an awesome this was conversation. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much.